You're listening to the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast, sponsored by the Classic Motor Hub. Hi everybody, James Worley here. Welcome back to the Ultimate Road Trip Podcast. As ever, if you have any questions, comments, guest suggestions, or anything else you want to ask, please do get in touch by Twitter, which is at URT Podcast, on Instagram at James Worley URT, or via email. The address is james at the ultimate road trip podcast.co.uk. Now, I hope you're ready for another 45 minutes or so talking cars, travel, music, and also this week, business. Before sitting down with this week's guest, I knew I had to make sure I'd done my homework and get properly prepared. That is, after all, one of his top tips. It's the same with all the guests that come on the podcast. However much you think you know about someone, further reading and research invariably reveals a few surprises. And that's certainly the case with my guest this week, one of the UK's best-known entrepreneurs, Theo Profitis. He became a household name as one of the five investors on the BBC show Dragon's Den. I've been a fan since it started, but when he first appeared in the second series, he quickly made a name for himself as one of the most popular and sought-after dragons. When we spoke last year, he just made a reappearance in the den, filling in for Peter Jones, who'd been hit by Covid. Now, Theo started out as a filing clerk in the City of London, but he was soon making a name for himself in the retail industry, and today owns various high street chains, including Ryman and Robert Dias. He was owner and chairman of Millwall Football Club. He took the team to the 2004 FA Cup final. But as you'll hear, he still has sporting interest. He's currently the chairman of sports management agency MB Partners. As for his ultimate road trip, well, I knew Theo liked his cars. But before I asked him about the choices of destination, passenger, tune, and of course car for his ultimate road trip, and they're really good ones, it would have been remiss of me not to get his take on the difficulties and challenges faced by the UK retail industry over the past few months. I'm delighted to say that I'm now joined by Theo Profitis from his home in Surrey, Theo, thank you so much for your time this morning. We're going to talk about cars, music and business as well. Three things you know quite a bit about. But thank you for joining me this morning on the Ultimate Road Trip podcast. You are welcome. It's good to be here. Well, let's start with the current situation. Now, you've been described as one of the most recognisable entrepreneurs in the UK, which none of us have any doubt at all. And what I love about your Twitter handle and on your website is it simply says Theo Profitis, shopkeeper. And over the past 18 months, shopkeeping, and I know you're on a level up at the very top, shopkeeping's not been a, an easy business, has it? Just if you could talk a little bit about how you found, as I've been talking to a lot of my guests, about how life has changed, how business life has changed whilst we've been dealing with this uh, terrible pandemic. Well, I can tell you it's been absolute poo. Um, but, you know, we're, we're a hardy lot as shopkeepers and we just get on with it, um, which is exactly what we've done. Although back in those days in March, when we had to just shut 300 stores overnight. Yeah. Tell four and a half, maybe 5,000 people to go home and we'll be in touch. Um, oh, and paydays in a week's time. Right. And a lot, a lot of people live um, hand to mouth and, I, and I, I can tell you it was totally and utterly uh, frightening uh, not just for for me but more so for my colleagues it was surreal you couldn't actually believe it was happening so because it was so bad yeah everyone's in the same boat so that was your that was your lifeline that, that was your comfort blanket that you were in a poo Everyone was in the poo. We're in the poo together. Yeah. And then it really took many weeks for us to even start having a strategy, which was a strategy you made up, of course, as you went along because things kept changing and we didn't know. The only thing I kept saying to, uh, we created a, a crisis team and um, we met every, every day on using Zoom yeah. um, at uh, the end of the day after the government gave us the latest uh, update and all that said to everybody listen our parents had people dropping bombs on them um we are safe in our own homes as long as we stay in our homes at the moment yeah so we are a lot lot better off and we just got to think 
we can get through this. And the science will catch up. It's just a matter of when. And the government obviously chucked a whole lot of cash at the economy. I mean, uh, the Chancellor did incredibly well, actually, even, even though he was sort of shooting from the hip, literally. Mm. I mean, he just got his blunderbuss, stuffed loads of £50 notes into it and uh, shot it up in the, in, into the air, into the UK economy. And everybody took a bit. Some gone to waste. Mm. Um, quite a bit probably gone to waste. But a lot of it hit the mark. And, you know, with some sensible planning, sensible people, um, we've all managed to get through this. And, of course, we're sitting here um, uh, a couple of weeks away from what was, is classified as independence-ish yes. day. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we're still trading. I think the key thing for retailers, shopkeepers, going back to your question, is business rates. A chance I give a business rates holiday for the first year, three months in the second year, and two-thirds for the following nine months. Now, we're in that two-thirds now. If business rates come back, then I am seriously, seriously concerned about the future of our high street because you can negotiate with landlords uh, on rents, because there's less footfall going by. And if we're all in the same boat, rents naturally, market forces force, force the rents down. Yeah. But if you can't negotiate with the state, it says this this archaic tax from the 1500s um, where the ye old internet didn't exist. No. Um, uh, it, you've got to pay. And that would, that, would, that would cause, I don't know, at least 100 of our stores to shut down. It was bad enough before COVID, wasn't it? When it comes Correct. to the high, when it's when we come to the high street, you know, we've seen the high street change. You are the chairman and the owner of the two of the biggest names on the high street, Ryman and Robert Dyer. I mean, Ryman, great home working, great for your business model because everybody needs stuff. Yeah, for home, you, 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 stuff you, for you home say office. that. You say that, but interestingly enough, of all my brands, that's the one that suffered most. Right. Okay. Because it also operates and makes most of its money in the city of London, in the city of Manchester, yeah. you know, in, in, in the business areas, the brass plate areas of towns that are deserted. And they're all closed, yeah. Okay. So actually, of the three brands, Robert Dyer's, Boo Avenue and Ryman, Ryman's been the hardest hit. Okay. And I still know when near, I mean, we're still 20% down in the other brands, but Ryman's at 50 or 60% down. And in, in, the, in the city, 70 or 80% down. Right, sure. It's, I don't know if you've been to the city. It's a ghost town yeah. recently. Yeah, like it's a Sunday. Absolute... It's like every day's, every day's like Sunday, to quote a, oh, a well-known it is. It, it, it is. it is absolutely that. It's, um, in terms of footfall, it, obviously. Yeah, footfall. Yeah. But so, you, some, uh, some of the numbers that I was seeing, you quoted, you know, stores doing 100,000 a week, we're down to 10,000. I mean, huge numbers to oh, deal with. Gosh. You know, and your stores are making contributions of a couple of hundred thousand a year and now losing you a couple of hundred thousand yeah. a year. And as, as the head of this big business empire, you know, you've, you've said you have your family at home and then you have your business family of thousands of people and you're, you are the patriarch, if you may call you that. So I'm sure the onus, and you felt a lot of responsibility, even though it wasn't your doing, obviously, to try and keep things moving. And 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 that's happened, you know. We're, oh, we're, totally. It's a, we're, we're a small, you know, we're a reasonable size of family business. Right? We're a family business. We're not tiny, but we're not huge. Uh, we're a good size family business. And everybody knows you. You know them. Uh, it's a very clear uh ownership patterns or private equity yeah. and you, you know we got people who work for us for 50 years lots of 20 loads of lots of 30 and you know they are very much part of the family i've owned ramen for over 25 years yeah so you do know that and you do have a sense of responsibility um and you know the front that was essentially you know coming to the end of the month in march it was payday and i really did ask the question to um to our MIFD, you know, how much cash have we got? Yeah. How long can we survive this? And it was a straightforward question, and I got a straightforward answer without, mm -hmm. any, inter without any intervention, not for many months. No. 
furlough hadn't been announced at this point, no, I'm assuming. No, so I'm no. sure. Yeah, it's been a very difficult few months, but we're coming out of it now. We, we'll come back to this uh, topic later and obviously talk about Dragon's Den. But you're here uh, for the main part of the podcast, the ultimate road trip. And I ask all my guests five questions, which you, you've you already uh, been briefed of those five questions. Um, and we'll start with the card. Question number one, the make, the model and the colour. And I know you have, you like your cars. You've collected cars, you've raced cars. Before you give me your answer, one thing I want to clear up, because I've read your your book, Enter the Dragon, and you talk about your first car being one of your bosses or one of your colleagues was a, a half Italian alpha man. And, and in the book, you said it was an alpha sud, but then I saw in the Sunday Times, that you said it was a mini. So was it an alpha sud? Because if that's the case... I- Right, the first, the first, the first car I ever bought was an Alpha Sud, and I think it was a one point three. The Mini we're referring to was a clapped out of family car Mini, which I learned right. to drive on. Okay, it wasn't actually mine. Right, uh, and it, and it had a fiberglass. Uh, look, it, people of a certain age will remember this. When clapped out old bangers rusted, you just put a fiberglass panel. Right, yeah. So this Mini had a fiberglass whole front was fiberglass. And it was held by rubber bungers at the top. So <laughs> Made you just, it lighter. <laughs> yeah. So you just pull the top up, you know, and that's that that was your front. I mean, it was it was it was a death trap. Uh yes, but it, 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 my, my uh Alpha Sud was my first one, and that was blue. Right. And then I went on and bought a white one that also was a rust bucket. And then I well, bought problems with the, the steel, wasn't it? There was dodgy steel. But an Alpha Sud, you like your co-dragon, Peter Jones, his first car was a, an Alpha Sud as well, I've uh, I've read. So you already had something yeah. in common with Mr. Jones before you joined the den. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't see that because his car, his car choice is normally absolute S-H-I-T. <laughs> um, in fact, I saw him last weekend and I'm not even going to tell you what he was driving. Okay. Um, but um, So a great car, that. a great first car as an enthusiast. That's what... All proper enthusiasts would own an Alpha. I have my dad, who was a big Alpha man. Uh, but then, of course, you've gone on to Golf GTIs, your 944 that you bought when you... Yeah, don't forget first. Kermit. Don't forget Kermit, because there was three Alphas. Okay, sorry. The blue, the one, and the Sprint Veloci. The, Very nice. The, the yep. green one looked like a dog bending over trying to do a poo. Um, <laughs> and it was... I called it Kermit. And right. and that that was... That's when I felt... I, that just that was such a pretty car. Um, so that was the three alphas before I decided I couldn't live. I couldn't live without them, but I was going to really have a go because yeah. I couldn't live with them either. No, it's one of those love affairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And since then, you've had Maybachs, you've had a Jag Project 7, which I saw pictures of. And you also have some classics, but and your Land Rover Defender that you were talking about in an interview in the Sunday Times, which was your, I think, your favourite. But if I might have already mentioned, what would be a car you might not own it it might be a dream car if you you know one of those vehicles you've never you never owned what's the car for the ultimate road trip make model and color okay so um you're right i don't own this car um and it's probably because i don't own it that um i'm choosing it okay because i did uh, a road trip a few years ago uh to monaco and I uh, drove a 190SL Mercedes, um, 1960, uh, beige-coloured uh, convertible, obviously, with blue leather interior. Oh, fabulous. And yeah. it just looks, you know, it, it's like something, it's a, something out of the 60s. It, yeah. it's, just, it, it's just an amazing car. Problem is, it, is so, it was so underpowered, right? right. Trying to go up the hill, up the mountains, was a nightmare. The gear changes um, that you had to go through just to make it. So as much as it looks a million dollars, and it's by far the prettiest car there, yeah. I just wouldn't do that again. It's not for that. That's not the car. The right so car. I found myself really torn here because my next point would be, well, you just get a 300 SL, and then yes. you've got the power. Yeah. And you can do and that. Looks, yeah. And the looks. I thought, well, but the looks are great. Done that. So I need to add something else. And I found myself using a car that also has a small engine. And 
I started questioning myself whether really you just, you know, it's like sometimes meeting your heroes and being disappointed. <laughs> um, I, I thought, really, am I, am I really going to do this? Um, I thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, and, and that is uh, a 550 Spider Porsche. Uh, the, the James Dean coffin, as I call it. Uh, the the little the little bastard. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, a um, incredible machine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's also got a tiny, tiny little engine. But it's but, tiny. Yeah, it's tiny. It's aluminium. It, it's really light, um, and you know it it, it it does a ton and a half nearly, um, uh, which for a one and a half liter engine is is amazing. And north to sixty is as good as a as a Golf GTI. Um, which you know from way back when. Yeah, so exactly, I've had a few. Uh, so so I thought, well, so it's, it's it's got some grunt in it, and it's got some top speed in it. Probably be a handful to drive. You can't really put your arm out and um, whistle at the girls uh, as you drive by because you, you're likely to end up in a ditch. Yeah, uh, somewhere. So it's not going to be the easy car to drive because it's is going to be tricky but i thought well i've done i've done a few car rallies um and road trips yeah in my time and i've always been a bit lazy and i i i, I did um a couple of years ago um I, you mentioned the project seven i've actually got project eight as well oh really okay we, which is not which is not um a a, a, a soft top it, it is a hard top sure and I did that to go to Barcelona. So we drove it to Barcelona. And it was brand spanking new. I think you'd done 20 miles. So and, running and, a team to Barcelona. And yeah. all my mates said, you are F mad. That you ain't going to make it onto the ferry before it breaks down or something goes wrong with it. And then you ain't going to get parts out for it. It's not going to be, it's going to be a nightmare. We might just, you know, bring a trailer with another car. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is it's left-hand drive. Okay. So they only made left-hand drive because when I started building them, when I ordered it, it was a right-hand drive car. And they only made left-hand? Yeah. Yeah. Because when they started to, to try to make them, the drivetrain and the engine... Didn't work out. <laughs> didn't work out. Oh, no. So we, we all ended up with left-hand drives. But what a car. Yeah. And you really... And we had Ferraris on that trip and all sorts of cars, Lamborghinis, you name it. Uh, R8s, um, oh, we had a couple of little classics as well. But not only was it just throaty, it, it had the pace. Yeah. And the Big, rarity, uh, there can't have been many others, uh, if at all. No, any. and it's crushed orange Brilliant. with a great big, massive fin at the back. Yeah, yeah. And a black lying right down the middle. Right, superb. Right. And what was great about that car? So what was great about that car was you could absolutely have some fun with the Ferraris and they couldn't get their heads around it. No. But you could drive Miss Daisy if you wished. You could put your arm out the window. Yeah. Put whack the music on, right? Great sound system. Yeah. Whack the music on. as a glass roof, so it was nice. So, you know, it's a good light coming in, isn't it? So whack the music on and um, really relax. And then you can start doing the uh, heavy lifting up the mountains if you wanted and four-wheel drive. It was, so it's Jekyll it was, and Hyde. It could do everything in a way. It, yeah. Absolutely. Supercar. Fantastic. The 550, on the other hand, ain't going to give you any of that. The 550 says, I'm going to kill you, literally, if you don't. Yeah. concentrate and drive me properly so why the 550 is it because of the james dean connection is it something Definitely. that you've you're a james it, dean it, fan and i think every race driver or, or every driver not race driver every driver of a likes cars that drive drives cars forget yeah, yeah. racing everybody yeah. who drives cars wants to feel the car wants to know the car is alive yeah. wants to know it it's reacting. It's talking. It's talking back to them. It, it, the, 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 you build a relationship. You're part of it in a way. Yeah. Um, and this car, and I haven't got one, and I've never driven one. So, whilst all the cars I've got, I've got for something I haven't driven, I haven't got, 
and there's still something to I'm, aim for. I'm look forward to in my life of one day. Uh, it can't be many of them. They, again, rarity value. They must be uh, very, very rare. Few and think, far between. Yeah, I, I think the, the, there's. I think you can get replicas quite, yeah. quite, really quite easily. But cars themselves, I mean, there wasn't a huge number made anyway. But they, they were absolutely monsters. And for a little car with that per, much personality, you want to tame it. Yeah. You want to drive it. You want to feel you've achieved. And I think, uh, and and this this was the for me that that going for something out my comfort zone. Um, you know, from all the cars that I've got, and I've got quite a few, and right, all the all all the ones that we've all dreamt of having as a kid. Yeah. Um, th- this car I, I would love just to do, and at the end of it park it up and put it to bed and probably say, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I've done it. You talk about racing. Uh, so great, great reasoning behind the car. So that's questions one and two dealt with, but you mentioned racing because you're, you're a handy racer. You know, you've done Silverstone classic. You've done Goodwood revival and the members meeting, as you told me just before we started to chat, you know, you've got a Austin A35, you had a Zodiac Escort 2000. So you like racing. And now... Don't forget your... the Anglia. As, oh, and the, the Ford Ang- Anglia. And the Anglia, the sorry, Ford, yes. Ford Anglia. <laughs> is that the one? Yeah. Oh, the Ford Anglia, because that is very special, because that's got a chassis and it's got a body. They don't always work in the same <laughs> way. <laughs> but So, yeah, so the Anglia, because I think Howard from Take That, he was in an Anglia once as well. Uh, Howard Donald, who I interviewed, yeah. for. he's raced in Anglia. But now, part of your business, uh, you've got to your... do. You've got to do Howard because he's, he's a car nut. Oh no, I have. It's Speed Week oh, last year. I managed to. Oh. Uh, I put a microphone under his nose, and he had a. He chose a Porsche RSR. He just brought the one that he brought to Speed Week at Goodwood last year, which was the right. COVID uh, uh, COVID safe. Uh, it event. turned up. It turned up last year in a hearse, American hearse. Oh, really? I did worry about him. Parked under the clock tower. Um, <laughs> I, I did worry about him, um, but he does love his cars. He does. He does. Love his cars. But one of your businesses is now with your friend Mark Blundell in MB um, Partners. MB Partners. MB Partners, which is obviously sports yeah. marketing, and you represent drivers. So you're really you're not just wanting to race; you're wanting to get in the business of racing. Is that a, a completely different thing to get involved with compared to retail? Well, it obviously is. It, it, it's a very, very different thing to retail. And I've known Mark for many years. And um, he'd already started the, the MB Partners prior to, to me getting involved. And uh, one day he said to me, we got on well, we always got on well together, did things together. And he came to me for advice. And he said, well, why don't you come be my chairman and, you know, get involved and, you know, put a little bit of cash in and get some shares. And, you know, I thought, really? Do I really want to get involved in this? Um and know Mark. Mark is a typical racing driver. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And if he's listening to this, it's a lot more ugly, Mark, than I can for, especially on a night out. I mean, I mean, he is an amazing, amazing individual in so many different ways, um, which is why he was a successful racing driver. And yeah, uh, yeah. he's great fun. He's a massively genuine guy, sincere, um, and... You know, you're, you're proud to call him your friend, and you, you know, that thought, but then he's my really close friend. I'm not going to go into business with him. You know, how's this going to work? And on this conversation we had, you know, how's this going to work? So um, we had a long chat about it, and it was, it's not a huge amount of money. And I did say to him, look, the minute you start stop taking advice, or I think it's not working, I say I'm going to bow out gracefully, and, and then we're not going to fall out. Um, so the first, first board meeting, I said to him, right, uh, we've got these areas that we transact in these businesses. Football was one of them. Um, and we did football, golf and motor racing. I said, uh, I've gone through all the books and everything else. And my knowledge of, of football, and I said, we need to shut that department down. And he said, sorry, I said, we need to shut it down because we're never going to be successful at it because we're never going to do the things that need to be done in representing players that we would feel comfortable with and I would feel comfortable with. So on the basis we ain't going to do those things. And knowing um, your, your thoughts about agents from your book correct. again and dealing with agents when you were chairman of Millwall, 
you just I'm, you just wanted to stay well clear of that side of yeah. the game. So right? I, said, I, I know what we need to do to be successful, and we ain't going to do it, and we ain't going to change the status quo. No, not in our lifetime anyway. I've tried that, been there, seen that. So we need to shut that down. Bless his cotton socks. So it's his little lip quivered, and because uh, he enjoyed that side of the business. But after going through the numbers and the facts and everything, it, we, we came to an agreement that was the case. And we did exactly the same for golf because we just weren't going to be growing. Uh, and so we need to concentrate on what we do, which is what we know, and that's motor racing. Yeah. And motor racing, our secret weapon, our USB is Mark Blundell. There's nobody he doesn't know. There's no doors he can't open. No, sure. And we need to focus our efforts in, in that side and that's what we've done and it's been absolutely fabulous I, I can't many, I don't know seven or eight years now since I've been involved it's been superb and we've got another colleague of mine Ian Charles that's involved as well uh, I'm, you know to be part of a business that you have so much fun and make money at the same time two, two of your two of your three things of business fun and making money and of course making money is the third one but so <laughs> not forgetting to make the third not one is not to forgetting make. to make money. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because when you're having fun, you do sometimes forget that. And that's a bit I've got to keep reminding uh, Billy about. Um, so, uh, yeah, so you've got, you got some good names. You, you know, Gary Paffert, Tom Blomqvist, obviously, whose father was incredible in rally, and Mike Conway. So, you know, people and, and women drivers coming up through the ranks. So... And with, uh, you know, it's an exciting time in, in motorsport, especially with W Series starting uh, with Jamie Chadwick doing so well. So an interesting, exciting business with a, with a good future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, that's, uh, 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 that, that's a great business. I'm really proud to be part of it and uh, chair it. And uh, it allows me to, to enjoy a passion. Yeah. Um, you're still racing do you get on are you getting on the track I mean, I, the I'm, not few racing, I'm, no, I'm not I'm not doing this uh, revival uh, I'm not doing this revival I'm not this members meeting uh, there's two there's two points two reasons once I'm carrying an injury that is going to be aggravated so I need to have a little, little rest right um, three things there's the injury which does need needs can't be uh, aggravated for a year or so there's the there's the second reason that my license has expired and I need to renew it. That's which a good reason. I can't always do my, my license. But and the third reason, I'm not that competitive at the moment. So we I've got to if I'm gonna go back to racing, I've got to find time to do some testing. Sure. And I don't like to do things when I'm not competitive. And there's some great drivers out there, proper drivers, not like me, proper, proper drivers. I, if I can hold on to their to their tailpipes for uh, you know a lap or two before they disappear on me, you, know, you don't know how much pleasure happy, that yeah. gives you. Uh, just being behind somebody brilliant. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, it's just uh, people say, "Well, you enjoyed that." I said, "You enjoyed being behind and falling back." I said, "He's a world champion." Of course, he's gonna. I mean, yes, I did enjoy it because I held on to him for yeah. this long, and you know, following that line, that, and yeah. Yeah, after that, it was a squeaky bum time, as uh, Sir Alex would say. Yes. <laughs> they were doing things that I certainly <laughs> could not do. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing you back on the track as and when. But let's get on to question three, the destination of this road trip. And, you know, it depends on the car. You've done, you were saying you've done a lot of road trips. You know, your first big trip, of course, was when you came over in 66 from Cyprus uh, to Manchester. <laughs> and... You've described in the past lots of lots of uh, places you enjoy going. You, you enjoy sailing and skiing. But if you had to pick one destination for the Porsche 550, now you mentioned Monaco, but uh, where have you thought of somewhere specifically for that car? Or it is the car. Now um, the point is that car needs to be driven. I, I'm, if, if I was just going to do, and we, we did do um, the Pacific Highway. Uh, oh, yeah. A few years back, great. which was great fun, right? absolutely, and big roads, big engines, giving yes. it some, yeah. full, full, you know, pedal yeah. to the metal, yeah. uh, and that's not the car. That's, that, that, I don't think that's the car for for that for those journeys. Okay, um, 
So I, I'm going to um, say it's not going to be that type, that type of journey. It, I, I'm going to try and recreate um, a, a trip that we did I did in the um, in uh, the, the Project Eight, which is uh, Barcelona, okay. uh, and actually, you know, going to Saint Malo, getting off and driving straight to Le Mans. Superb, lovely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And spending some time there. And even though the track officially is shut, but as you, as you know, the track's the road. So yeah. not that I would break any speed limits or do anything illegal. I just want to get absolutely clear to anybody listening. Um, so Le Mans, the, the <laughs> steeped in so much history. And I think a few, uh, so I think a few I, speed I would, limits are broken on Le Mans weekend, before Le Mans weekend, from what I've heard from friends who've gone down there. Allegedly. 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 So um, I would not have done mix two of my favourite passions, which is uh, driving and, and booze. Now, the two don't actually mix that well. They don't. They don't. So um, right. I, I, would, I, I, would, I would do uh, a journey and, and, and do that whole trip through Bordeaux, Cognac and all, all those areas. Um, and luckily that car hasn't got a big boot, so you ain't going to fill it, fill it with uh, booze. But right. what I would do, I would compromise this trip. And I, I would, what I would do with this trip, I would say I would double, double day it. Because all of a sudden, this is fantasy land, so I can do what I want. Of course. I've got a fantasy car, which, <laughs> and I'm going to do fantasy, and I'm going to give myself um, uh, two days for, I'm going to stretch two days for every day. Because one day, I'm not going to, I'm going to do a driving day and then I'm going to do a drinking day. And I'm going to do a driving day and I'm going to do a drinking day. Because there's no point going to those places. When you can't sample the... Yeah. So, in the vineyard, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to give that car a good, a good blast and try and tame it sensibly. Although I'm sure other people will take it far better limits than I could take it. Um... And then I'm going to park it up in its pyjamas, right? Yeah. Give it a rest. Give it a nose bag. Give it a rest. Give it a little clean up. Um, not just a little tiny windscreen, but uh, give it a proper clean up and um, leave it there. Following day, get somebody to drive me to wherever I'm doing. Yeah. Enjoy. Or if it's in the actual chateaus, enjoy, enjoy the local um, delicacies and then the following day, hit the road. Yeah. So but that, that's what I would do. Well, I might still do it one day. Well, I mean, France has got everything, hasn't it? It's got, you know, yeah. as you say, it's got racetracks, mountains, it's got yeah. uh, vineyards and, and coast. Let's get on to question four, pa the passenger, which again is uh, one of those questions. And I was thinking, you know, would you choose one of your fellow dragons? Uh, I know you get on, you all get on famously. I understand. I hear. But Joe Jonesy would be out of the question because he's too big to in that car. He's a tall chap. As you were talking no, about the no, time, he's, of, he's got a Ferrari. Had his trouble getting it out of Ferrari one time. At, uh, Fre frequent nature, absolutely. Frequent. I saw him last weekend. It's huge. And I, was, I, I, you know, I did say to his wife, and you know, it, it's not right. Um, frequent nature. We'll never get in that car. It'd be good fun. Yeah. By the way, it'd be very good fun. But he'd never get in that car, and I and I see him too much. So I said, what, "What type of person would I want in that car?" Well, they've got like their wines. If they don't like their wines. They're not they're not really going to be much able to to enjoy it. Um, live and is alive or dead. And again, you've got this fantasy world, haven't you? Which says you can pick anybody, even if they're dead. Yeah, absolutely. Others have. And as you go through France and Spain, you think. You want someone who's going to keep you amused. You need the banter. You, you don't, yeah. yeah, you need some. You need a proper, proper raconteur banter. You can't. You can't. Yeah, and, and someone who's going to do un, do the unexpected. A bit like the car. Yeah. You know, a bit yeah. like the car. You want someone. You you got that car. You're not going. You need to choose something else if you're just going to go for a jolly. You need you need someone who's going to be challenging um, en route. Mm -hmm. And and I'll tell you, it's not the person. That the person that I was going to choose is one of the finest men uh, that uh, I, I've, not, I've never met him, but uh, you know, I've followed and read yeah. his books and seen. Uh, it was Spike Millian. Um, and, and I thought Spike would be a great, great uh, uh, company because 
dealing with the locals would be the funniest. Watching him dealing with the locals would be the funniest thing ever. Yeah. And you'd never know what you got. Um, so half half your audience wouldn't know Spike Milligan is, but look him up. Worth of legend worth, of comedy. Worth, exactly. Just definitely worth reading some of his books. I read him as a kid. I thought it was just hilarious. Even his auto, semi-autobiographies. Um, very, very, very funny man. A dark man, but very funny man. Did you watch the Goon Show? Were you? Uh, or yeah. Did you listen? Listen. Well, well, listen. Goon listen. Show. The Goon, but but but, uh, but it was way before my time. I'm not sure. So the Goon it's Show all available. Was, yeah, but it's all. But so I've caught up on everything. But but I remember reading reading his books. Um, uh, there was one particular one about his national service, uh, Adolf Hitler, and my part in his downfall. Yeah, was just so 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 dry and funny that you thought. He, he was a cracked you up just by being anywhere near him. Um, but uh, as I said, but he had the dark side about him. But Spike got ejected. Okay, so it's not Spike. No, and it was Spike. Mrs. It P? Was Spike. Not Mrs. Oh, P? No, she's, no, no, definitely not, not Mrs. P. No, but it was no, she was, she's not a great car lover, believe it or not. But she would just want to be sensible, absolutely sensible. And there's no way, this is a, this is a free pass, you know. Sure. This is a <laughs> this is, weekend off, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Bless her. But it's strange. It's very strange because you, you uh, this morning it was still spiked this morning, but it, and then this morning, I, you know, that car, that that car needs someone who also likes cars. You can appreciate. Who's going to have that, yeah. a smile on their face? And whilst this man, and believe you me, your your listeners are never going to believe me now. While this man, uh, that I'm going to say, is um, a first-class racing driver and known for being a racing driver, yeah, he is one of the funniest men on the planet. You don't see that side of him. One, one of the funniest people on a night out you could imagine. And you've already mentioned him, Billy. A.K.A. Mark Blundell. His nickname is, and we all call him Billy. Something is, some, th- uh, some people think it's for uh, Billy Liar. And someday, you know, he let himself go a little bit at times. So he became Billy Bunter as well. Right, right. But he is Billy. known as Billy the Plumber. Right. And that's how he's known. And he is such great fun to go out with. As I said, I'm so lucky to actually work with him and encounter him as my friend. So he is a brilliant mentor as a, as a, a for, as a driver, yeah. just to watch him and learn from him and, uh, and listen to him. I've seen him destroy too many cars though. So I wouldn't let him in my own car. I wouldn't <laughs> let him drive because think about racing drivers, unlike gentlemen racers like myself who pay to have a car, yeah. keep it and race trim, and and have the engines rebuilt <laughs> regularly at huge yes. cost yes. and everything else and are really careful when we're driving our cars because we know the consequences are not just our own mortality but our bank accounts right it's not a cheap sport no in that well billy as a co-driver which i've, been, I've had the pleasure to have him as a co-driver and i had mike conway as a co-driver right um billy as a as an ex-professional racing driver his view of racing cars all his life is he gets in, he drives them, he gets out. If he runs out of talent, as he calls it, hmm. and puts it into the barrier or has a mishap with it, it's not his problem, right? Somebody else picks and up the tab, yeah. And he will drive a car to its ragged limit, which is why it may be such a great racing driver. Yeah, yeah. So he will drive a car to its ragged, ragged edge and some and especially historic cars if you drive them to the ragged edge guess what happens they bite you they, they don't just bite you they give up on you yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we've done more engines um with him than i care to uh, think he will drive those cars to uh, and, and expects the level of performance from a car that he got when he was driving professionally sure um, and he's the only man I know who's had a crash at over 200 miles an hour and survived. Uh, and well, not, not, yeah, not survived uh, unhindered, obviously, because I've just told you about his character. Because, I mean, he did have a massive crash. And this is an excuse for doing whatever he wants to do. 
you know, you hit a wall at 200 miles an hour. If you yeah. hit a wall at 200 miles an hour, yeah, yeah. 99% gonna... of people ain't going to come out of that anyway. No, no. Uh, so Billy is, is, is my, is my, um, he doesn't mind. know this. So when this goes out, um, I'm sure he'll listen to it. So, so Billy is my um, guest driver. Perfect. I've actually just remembered I did briefly speak to him at Speedweek because he was driving at Speedweek and he uh, he was the most generous, gave me a bit of time for a, a quick interview, a, a lovely guy. But as you say, he was very serious. He knew what he was. He was driving a very expensive bit of machinery. But uh, hearing about his the other side of him sounds perfect for the road trip. Question five, then, is the music. And I, I know you're a music fan. If I may say so, in a way music was the reason that you ended up in London because of course your father when you came over was a very good he called himself was it the finest bazooki player in in England <laughs> so you're in Manchester he was. in Manchester and he went and and he was in a dreadful uh fire at the Astoria which he obviously escaped from not without injury that made you then come to London to watch him but then that's why you stayed in London because of his yeah. His recovery, if that's if I'm right in thinking that. That's absolutely right. Adversity, adversity um, was what brought us to London because of that accident. And um, so, music. I grew up with music, but it was a different type of music. It's it's a Cypriot music. Right. Um, but saying that, myself and my elder brother Marinos, so, you know, we we all uh, love music, and you know, we 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 did all those things. Yeah. In those days, in the seventies, early seventies, buy your first record. For um, right. uh you're 45. Anybody those that remember 45s vinyls, um, and um, mine was horrendous because it was. Uh, I can tell you what it was. It was horrible. And I played it, and also I actually liked it. Okay. And I feel very embarrassed. And it was a, th- a thing called Chirpa Chirpa Cheap Cheap by Middle of the Road. I've Absolutely horror it. story. But <laughs> um, oh, you remember but, it, which is important. Yes, they very quickly got into um, uh, T-Rex and uh, David Bowie, yeah. John, you know, at the time, you know, the Who. And it was all happening. Uh, it was an amazing time, sort of the late 60s, early 70s. The glam rock was, yeah. um, was uh, out. So, yeah. yeah, so it, it was, um, so I always, always like music. And there's music everywhere. Everywhere I go, there is music. And when, when, I saw that one of the questions was to pick my favorite track. I thought, well, that, that's going to be easy. I mean, I wouldn't have to do any homework on that. And then, of course, this morning, I thought, I can't believe this. Uh, I got my phone and I ended up with 49 tracks. I thought, well, that's not easy asking me for one bloody track. I said, I can't have 49 tracks. You know, so that was just such, and there's all, all the classics with the, the Eagles and everything, but anything with a beat. Or yeah. drums yeah. is a great uh, road trip uh, anthem. Anything that's got big, big beat, big drums, it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, do I do I, 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 I do I just go for the standard road trip anthems? Um, that, that was uh, the difficulty. And and this is a this is a great song that I I like for a lot of reasons. Um, too many to go through now, but it's a song that I like, and yeah. it probably isn't on many other people's favorite track. And I'm, I would say it's up there as one of my favorites with about 48 others, others. Um, that, that that are up there. I mean, there's great Bowie songs, and there's Phil Collins songs, there's you know, there's, there's Eagles, there's, there's all sorts of uh, great artists that have done fantastic anthems, uh, and it, it, it's one called. Hooked on a Feeling by uh, Blue Suede. Do you remember it? Is it and Hooked a on a Feeling? Da, da, it, that's singing. it. Great that's song. That's the one. And you can really, and it's quite a happy song. And yeah. it's not the loudest. It's not the most, it's got dynamism in there, but it, it, it's quite a mixture. If, if you were sampling or, or that, you put loads of things together. And I was like, it's just, you're in that car. You're, you're, you're in the groove. Yeah. And it's a memorable song as well because I haven't heard that title in a long time, but it's just pinged into my head. So yeah, and when and when you listen to it again, if anybody now looks it up and puts it on, they're going, "Oh, I get that." Yeah. So, so I said it's not it's not your average song, and there was loads, there's loads of other brilliant road trip songs. So, but but 
this one is the one that um, I would use with that car. Yes. And Billy and doing that. Through trip. France and to Le Mans. Yeah. Perfect. That's a fabulous road trip, I, I must admit. I'm in a Porsche 550 to Le Mans with Billy, Mark Blundell. Uh, Via Cognac and Bordeaux. I go to Cognac and Bordeaux, of course. Of course. Wonderful. We've been talking for a long time. I could go on chatting with you for even longer about cars and everything else. I obviously just want to mention the Dragon Dragon's Den. We saw you back on Dragon's Den, which was great fun because I watched it from its inception in what, 2005? You were on for eight years, eight seasons, was it? As one of the, uh, it, from the second season, or the second, yeah. epi- the second season. Um, and that must have been so, so much fun to do. And then coming back, you, you ended up, Filling in the uh, filling in the chair for Mr. Jones, who wasn't very well, and also uh, for one of the other dragons as well. So, when, to Mr. Suleiman, yeah. So, you, when you got that call, were you immediately, yeah, I might yeah, have been on the well, subs bench, but I'm back it's on been, the pitch. It's been five, six years when I decided to leave because I've done eight years and that was enough. I bought some more businesses, and you know, I, I never do things for any longer, whether it's football or anything else. It's it, it, my time, I decided it was enough, and the BBC were very graceful. Graceful about it, and great. You know, the, they when I tried to, they tried to persuade me to stay, uh, I was one of the popular ones, and then they were great because the minute I left, they gave me my own show, they gave me loads of other stuff. So I only worked for the beep, and I did the one show for years afterwards. So I only yes. worked for the beep, yeah. so they, they were, but I could fit in with the times that I wanted. And doing Dragon's Den wasn't just about those five six weeks that you used to have to do on set. It was the work afterwards, the mentoring. We treated it very seriously, the businesses. And I just bought two new businesses. It was time for me to move on. And I very rarely go back. It's not for me to go back. And if anybody asked me, I said, no, I'm done. That's done. That's past, that's past my life. When I got a call uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was traveling back to the UK, uh, saying, uh, it was from Deborah. So Nabeem have asked me to give you a call yeah. and say, what are you doing next week? So I said, well, I'm actually on my way to the airport at the moment. Uh, she said, oh, damn. I said, to come back to the UK. Right. I said, could do with you for a fortnight. And she said, well, the Tuco was poorly. He's recovered now and he's back in good health. Um, she said, they really would like you to come back and do a fortnight. So they sent me out as advance party because we're great mates, me and Deborah as well. Yeah. Um, we speak regularly. So I said, Deborah, I said, I'd never go back. She said, but you do miss us, don't you? <laughs> anyway. So I was just about to say no. And I, there's no way you go back. And I found myself saying, do you know, I was about to say no, but I think I do. I think I'd love to come back. Uh, I just need sort of diary out, but I'm, and my inner self spoke as opposed to sort of trying to position yourself in one position or the other, because it'd been five or six years and you know you did miss it. So I went back, did a couple of weeks, and then <laughs> I was at Goodwood. I got a phone call right. from producers at Goodwood. Yeah, um, I was in full race gear, came the helmet, and got a phone call saying Peter has. Uh, his driver, his driver was uh, COVID positive, so he obviously couldn't turn up on set. Uh, and they said, you know, could you come on set tomorrow? <laughs> so I said, I'm a good one. Got to get home, got to get to Manchester. I said, we'll start late. Um, and I said, of course I would. That was only a week. Yeah. And I said, of course I would. So I've had more comebacks than, um, than, than Frank Sinatra, to be honest with you. So, But this is it now. This is really it. They need to get a whole lot of fresh blood. Um, and of course they and are. And they with, are. With, with 28-year-old Stephen Bartlett, is it? And he's a guy who we watched it when he was 12, I was reading, Watch Your Good Self. And here he is. Uh, what a fabulous story for Isn't well, his, his, his success. But then coming on the, on the show, I think, is, is a- wonderful. Absolutely superb. And, and that's absolutely the right thing to do. So uh, that's it for me. Right. Uh, I'm buying out gratefully now. And uh, it is... That's it. Uh, but uh, the show has got so much more legs to go. And um, as there's a whole new generation to enjoy that show. Yeah. It's a bit like Doctor Who. <laughs> it just adapts. But of course, when you left it, I must mention Small Business Sunday. 
you know, you started up on social media, this fabulous uh, organization and, 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 and uh, social media enterprise where business owners could tweet you their business and you would retweet them. Six of them would win. So you carried on. Once you left the den, you did your own bit like Peter Jones has done as well as in pitching business ideas to him. So that's going from strength to strength. Is that's it? 10 years old now, even, even through the, the pandemic, we got over three and a half thousand uh, small businesses in that network. They all help each other. They mentor each other. They support each other. We have a big event. Yeah. Uh, it's very much an online community, but we do have one physical event where as many get together, normally get, you know, uh, over a thousand turning up. As a, and it's all free. Yeah. Um, it doesn't cost them anything. And it's about making sure that small businesses, are, which are the lifeblood, of UK PLC yes. continue and prosper and grow. And let's hope they're going to continue and prosper and grow when we finally come out of all this pandemic. Well, Theo, I, I wanted to talk about your charity work as well at the Manchester Children's Hospital and Comet Relief. We don't really have time, but obviously, and we haven't even touched on Millwall again. Ah. Theo Pafitas, thank you so much for coming on the Ultimate Road Trip podcast. Let's just go through it again. The Porsche 550 down through France and cognac country, vineyard country to Le Mans with, with Billy, Mr. Mark Blundell to... Uh, hooked on a feeling by Blue Suede. Feeling by Blue Suede, of course. Here's to more success when we're out of the pandemic with the Spawn Business Sunday and your charities. And uh, Theo Pafitas, thanks so much again for being on the Ultimate Road Trip podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Candy 